Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, whose image do you bear? So when we start talking about Jesus Christ being in the image of God, it's a Latin word called the homage Dei, the homage Dei. Uh, the image of God means that we, we look like Jesus. We look like God, and we operate like him. Now, I do not believe in little God's theology that we are little gods, and by, but I do believe that we have the ability through the Holy Spirit to talk like God, to act like God, and our minds can be transformed so that we can think like God. Amen? So, so we're not little gods. We, we are just human beings trying to make it into the kingdom. Amen? And so, but we need the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, then we can't do any of this. This is not, you're not capable of anything that's written in this word of God without being filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? And so if, you, if, it, if we were able to do those things, then we didn't have to get saved to do them. I mean, it's something you're going to need the Spirit of God to love some folks. Hello, hello, hello. Y'all out there this morning. And so when I start talking about connecting the dots, connecting the dots, a couple of things comes to your mind. Uh, the first thing that might come to your mind is that connecting the dots is an idiom, which means that you have, you have a newfound uh, uh, revelation about a certain topic or, or, or certain experiences that you have. So in other words, it's almost like when you connect the dots, you have a clearer understanding of something that you thought about. I can connect the dots on that. That, that begins to make sense to me. Oh, yeah, I got that now. So that's what it means, connecting the dots. I have a clear understanding about a topic or a situation that has come across my mind. But the second thing about connecting the dots, the etymology of connecting the dots comes from the children's game. It's an activity. We probably did it when we grew up, right, connecting the dots. And what you have is some, some numbers, and you have to connect those numbers numerically. And you connect the dots by following the numeric order. Now, now here's, the, here's the neat thing. You don't know what the image is until you finish connecting the So in other words, if you try to connect dots that don't supposed to be connected, then the image that was supposed to be portrayed will be a skewed image. So, in other words, so the Bible teaches us how to connect the dots in the kingdom. Now, we can try to connect dots that don't line up to the kingdom, but the image that is going to be portrayed to the world is not going to be the right image. And so we're supposed to be in the image of God, in the very image of God, and we will not be in his image if we are not connecting the dots to the right place. Is this making sense at all? Amen. So, so when you begin to listen to or hear the words connecting the dots, that's what we're talking about today. And the way I've been positioning this series is how are we going to connect the dots to the community if we're not connected in the church? We don't, I, let me say it again, I think I can. I praise God. How are we going to connect the dots to the community if we're not connecting in the church? church if we're not going to lunch together we're not inviting people over getting to know people helping other parents raise their children together we're supposed to be in this thing together amen you're not supposed to have this uh i'm, I'm, I'm a coin this i'm a, i don't know i might have to write webster individualistic christianity 
<laughs> yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm an individual Christian. I can be a Christian all by myself. Well, according to the Bible, that doesn't work. Because you can't be a Christian all by yourself, just like my eyeball can't be a part of my body if it's outside of my body. Hello, hello. So we are a body. Somebody say, I'm a body. You have a body. The church, the kingdom of God, it's a body. Jesus Christ is the head. Now listen, listen, saints, listen to this. Now, now, if Jesus is the head, we're the body, and let's just say you're a finger. Don't give a people a finger, but let's say you are a finger, and you say, well, I love the head. I just don't like the body. I, I want to be attached to the head, but I don't have fingers coming out of my head. But the finger needs to be attached to the body so that the body can function and do the things the head tells the body to do. So now, now, riddle me this, Batman. Now, when the head tells the body to grab this microphone, if my fingers are not attached to my body, I can't grab this mic. So when you are outside of being attached to the body of Christ, getting to know the body of Christ, when Jesus says we need to be the hands and feet of who he is, then we can't operate the way we're supposed to operate because you're out of place. And I don't want to be out of place. Whatever little function Jesus wants me to do, I want to be in place to do it. Amen. And so, listen, I'm willing to fight through all the mess in my own mind so that I can get to know people outside of myself. Because I'm telling you, this walk is not going to be good for you by yourself. I'm telling you that right now. Uh, Let me ask people that are uh, individualistic like that. How's that going for you? That's a pretty lonely walk. Because I'm going to tell you something. This Christian Christian ride ain't no easy ride. I mean, when they say ride or die, I mean, I'm telling you, 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 boy. You got to die to ride this walk, right? So this is not an easy walk. And guess what? You do not have to go through this walk by yourself. I don't want to be by myself when I'm walking through these things and I'm going through stuff. Just because you're Christian doesn't mean that you're not going to go through stuff. We are going to go through some stuff. Amen. Uh, I want to transition here so we can look at some lessons learned and, and, and recapitulate on some things that I've already taught you. Because we were talking about the characteristics of a covenant-connected people, a covenant-connected people that we all should be connected to people in the church. Now, I'm not necessarily saying in this church, but you should be connected to the people in the body of Christ. Because all of us are the same. I don't care if it's this Baptist, Methodist. Listen, listen, if we all believe in the fundamentals of the faith, we believe that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. He died on a bloody cross. He laid in a tomb for three days. And then on the third day, he rose. And now he's at the right hand of power, ever making intercession for us. And then one day he's coming back, not the second coming, but the rapture, when he comes back to take us up. And then we're going to go back up with him. But then on the second coming, we're coming back down with him. If we believe those basic fundamentals, then we are all the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. Hello. So, so let's keep our mouths off of each other and let's build each other up. So the first thing that I talked about is covenant-connected people would never leave the sheep unprotected. We, we saw David because we're using the life of David as a model here. Covenant-connected people would never leave the sheep unprotected. That means that you should always be covering the body of Christ. You should be covering each other. Don't, don't give that little fakery and say, you know what, I've been praying for you. Don't, don't say that if you hadn't been doing it. Just, just be honest. Just give an honest assessment of yourself. Don't think yourself more highly than what you ought. Just say, you know what? You've been on my mind, been on my heart. Don't, just, don't lie to folks and say, I've been praying for you when you ain't been praying. God knows. And guess what? That person knows, too, if you got a little discernment. I know when somebody come hug me and say, Pastor, I've really been praying for you. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, I got you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you. No, I'm going to be praying for you. 
Praise God. So let's just let's just be honest, right, people? Let's let's if it, listen. If somebody asks you to do something, if you can't do it, don't lie to them. And say, yeah, I can be there on Friday. Just say you, you know something, something. I can't do it. It's okay to say no. Because if you tell me something, I'm going to be expecting your behind. Just like you expect me. You expect her. Amen. And so listen, so, so let's give an honest assessment of where we are in life. And when we make a decision, it's made. And let's be people who keep their promises. Hello? Can we do that? Amen? So we won't leave the, the sheep unprotected. And so listen, another, the second characteristic we found out about uh, covenant-connected people is that they won't wait for a call when there's a, a, a cause. See, 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 if there's something to be done in the church, you don't have to wait for an angelic visit or God to crack open the sky or to bring lightning before you decide that, yeah, I think this is God and I need to do it. Listen, if there's a piece of paper on the floor, you don't have to go into prayer. Just pick the paper up. Amen. Somebody need to ride to church. You don't have to go and, let me call you back, go in four hours of prayer. I just want to see if the Lord is calling me to take you to church. You, you, that's uncalled for. There's, there's a cause. The person want to go to church. Listen, I don't have to pray about bringing somebody to church. Amen. So, so is this making sense at all? I mean, I'm making light of it, but there's a lot of things we might ask you to do. And you say, well, Pastor, I don't know if I'm called to do that. I didn't ask if you were called. I just asked if you would do it. Amen. Praise God. And a lot of people say, I don't feel led. That's why I need to carry a bullet around in my pocket. So when people say, I don't feel led, I can give you a bullet. So now you're led. Some of this stuff is killing people in the church. I don't feel cold to do it. No, no, just do it. Just make it happen. Make it function. Amen. Because you might find that once you do it, you find out there was something inside of you that you never knew. And being in a place that was unfamiliar to you, it unlocked something in your spirit. Amen. Okay. And uh, the third characteristic that we talked about is covenant connected people will draw from the shepherd's bag. Notice David, before he killed Goliath, he didn't draw from an apostle's bag or he didn't draw from an evangelistic bag or prophet's bag. He drew from a shepherd's bag. A shepherd's bag is representative of the church that has a shepherd. And then there was five stones representing the five ascension gifts that are in Ephesians chapter four, verse 11, that talks about the apostle, the prophet, the, 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 the uh, evangelist, the pastor, and the chief teacher, five, right? And so, 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 so then that means that uh, in the church, when the pastor is, is given the word, that the word is supposed to sink into your foreheads so that it can kill your giants of your mind. Because we can't attack anything out here until we've been able to attack the things that's attacking us in here. Amen. See, the, biggest, the greatest battlefield is the battlefield of the mind. And, and this is where we lose the battle. It's between our ears. It's not against demons. It's, it's against ourselves. It's, a, it's actually against the way we talk about ourselves. Uh, we use negativity about ourselves. And, and then we start believing what everybody else is saying that's negative about ourselves because faith comes by hearing Romans 10, 17 and hearing the word of God. But check this out. If you keep talking about uh, uh, fear-filled words, Instead of faith-filled words, then your faith is going to be in your fear. Why? Because you get faith in what you hear, and if you keep talking negative about yourself, then you begin to believe it about yourself. 
So, and, and listen, you don't need other people talking bad about you if you're doing it to yourself. So away with this. Stop looking in the mirror and saying something negative. Look in the mirror and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am his child, and he has great things for me. Amen, 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 amen. Uh, so we talked about that. And then another characteristic we found that uh, covenant-connected people will find someone to lose themselves in. So uh, as a Christian, there should be somebody that you feel like you got something to give to somebody. All of us have something to give to somebody. This is not about you. This is about what God has in you, but he's trying to get what's in you in somebody else. We all have the ability to mentor somebody. And I believe we are missing it in the church. I believe that this is a great uh, ministry in the church where we might be missing it because people think only the leadership are the ones that are supposed to be mentoring people. No, it's you, dear heart. You are in the pews right now that you got something in you. Your education, the things that you've experienced, uh, things that you've gone through in your life, your testimony. There's something in you. I know you may not feel like it is, but I know you might be going through a whole lot of hell right now. But the reason you're going through a whole lot of hell is so you have something to give somebody else. So we'll come back to that. And but, 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 but you got something to give to somebody else. It doesn't matter if you're 16, 12, 15, or 50. We all got something that we can give to somebody else, and we should be willing to lose ourselves in somebody else to say, guess what? I want to make a difference on the next generation. That is this more than about John Lofton. This is about making a difference in the next generation. Even, even if I got to stand against some folks that don't like this gospel message. Are you here with me this morning? So then we talked about uh, covenant-connected people uh, will behave themselves wisely with David. Uh, we all know that when David began to do all of those great things that King Saul was supposed to be David's mentor, but Saul tried to kill David. He even threw javelins at David. But David always behaved himself wisely. What, what does that mean? That when, when King Saul threw the javelin at David, David never picked the javelin back up to throw it back at King Saul. What does that mean for us today? People are going to give railing accusations against you. They're going to lie against you. They're going to they're gonna fabricate the truth against you. Don't, don't go back and talk bad about them. Let God handle it. You continue to walk with integrity and character. You continue to walk in the homage day of God, and God will take care of them. He said in his word, I will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. All you got to do is keep on walking as a man and woman of God with integrity and character. Stay in God. Stay in the secret place. Keep praying. Keep believing. And even pray for the people who talk bad about you. And, and the strangest thing has happened. I, we've gone through this several times. And I know we're going to go through it a lot more. And when you do that, the strangest thing happens. One or two things are going to happen. You don't even hear about them anymore. Or they repent. But as long as you stay in there with God and behave yourself wisely, God has got your back. Amen. So then, then, then the last one uh, we, we talked about last Sunday was covenant-connected people will find protection in the secret place. Uh, uh, we know that when uh, there was a point when King Saul was trying to kill David, and, saw, and David and Jonathan had such a close relationship. They were in covenant with one another. And, and Jonathan told David, well, stay in the secret place and be protected. And then I will go and talk to my father. 
So covenant-connected people will stay in a secret place. What does that mean? That means that you will stay in there with God. You will, no matter what you're going through in your life, you will continue to read the Word of God. Uh, you will continue to get on your knees and pray. You will continue to worship God. And, and I know times get hard, and I know we got so much going on in life today. I, I, I remember, I know what, what can happen, saints of God. I know, uh, I, I, as an example, when, when that doctor told me about uh, me be having cancer. That that was that was not something that I was expecting. That was that was like a punch in the gut, right? That's something that you know you go to the doctor and you think everything is okay, then all of a sudden you you find out that you got an aggressive form of cancer. Uh, we we've been through those things, and I know how that can take you sometimes into another place, and you begin to doubt your call. You begin to the different things come into your mind. Is this what God really want me to do? It has come in my mind too, but you gotta stay in a secret place because at some point you gotta. Gird up your loins and you got to say, God, come hell or high water. I'm going to stand on your word no matter what. You got to stay in a secret place. And David had to do something that was amazing. At some points in his life, he had to encourage himself in the Lord. Sometimes people are not going to pick up the telephone and call you. Sometimes you're going to have to get on your knees and say, God, I need you to encourage me this morning. We got that with this intimate God that, that loves us with an unconditional love, saints of God. I don't mean to scream, but you can tell I'm passionate about it. Amen. I can relate to it. I can relate to it. I can relate to it. And then the last thing we learned last Sunday is that covenant-connected people are intimate and passionate. See, we should have some passion. We should not be some old boring Christian folks. I ain't, I ain't nothing boring about me. Ain't nothing boring about me. Hey, man, baby. <laughs> See, you should have said it like that. So, so I, like, I like to have fun. We, we should be able to laugh in church, have a good time, but we're still learning the word of God. Amen. We don't have to be all serious and all stuck up and all bougie in the church. Except Pastor Tim. But, but I mean, you know. Amen. <laughs> We, we, we listen, listen, the, the Bible, the Bible is pretty clear. It says, if you want friends, what does it say? Uh, no, let me give you my translation. I'm writing it and it's going to really bless your heart when I have it out there. My translation says, straighten up your face. <laughs> Ain't nobody going to come up to you and you looking all mean and hateful. Ain't nobody coming up to you. And they really don't want, if that's what God looks like, they don't want that kind of God. <laughs> Amen. Show yourself friendly, guys. Listen, listen, I know you might be going through uh, the vicissitudes of life, and it could be difficult. It could be very difficult because there's nothing that I've gone through that's been easy. I, I, I don't know if you got easy stuff that you go through, but none of my stuff has been, been easy, uh, uh, just little easy hurdles to come over. Some of those things have been very, very difficult, and I do understand that. But listen, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength, and joy comes from Jesus. Happiness comes from what's happening outside stimuli. I don't want happiness. What I want is joy because joy comes from Jesus. And the Bible said for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. I'm sure he wasn't happy about going to the cross, but he took joy that he was going to be back with his father. And so we, I don't, I'm not, I'm not happy about all the stuff that I got to go through, but I take joy that I'm going to get through it because I got Jesus on my side. And that was a good place to praise him right there. Amen. I'm going to help you out. All right. Thank you for that. 
Praise God. So, so now, let's pick up this story. Let's pick up the story of David. Now, David has come to a very critical stage in his life of this particular part of 1 Samuel. And I'm going to pick up the story where David now has already killed Goliath, so that you can understand where we are. He's already killed Goliath. Um, he's also killed tens of thousands of Philistines. Uh, King Saul, even as David has done this, King Saul has a death warrant out for David. You guys, if you've read these stories before, you pretty much can understand where we are in the text. And uh, I, would, I would encourage you to go and read First and Second Samuel so you can catch the whole story here or go back and listen to the podcast from, from uh, part one all the way to this last one so you can catch up in the story. And so now, now at this point in David's life, David is at a critical impasse in his life. He, he's, he's running now from the palace. He was already separated from his daddy's house. So now David has no food. He has no shelter. And now there are no crowds singing to David anymore. So David is now out there by himself, ostracized. Nobody else is around. Jonathan is no longer around because he's, he's trying to save his life now. Are you, are you getting the picture here? He, he's lonely. There's nothing to eat. There are no crowds singing David's praises right now. And then this, in 1 Samuel chapter 21, it captures David fleeing to a man by the name of Ahimelech. He was the priest. And so David, when he was out there, he had no food, he had no shelter. He didn't even know exactly where to go, but he went to Ahimelech, which is a priest. So David went to church. Uh-huh, uh, you hear me? Saints, there will be time when you may feel ostracized from other people. There may be times when you feel ostracized even by your own family members. There will be times when different things will, will happen to you in your life where you, it may even take you to a place where you may even feel depressed. There are certain things that can hit you in your life, and, and you might not even feel like maybe, well, maybe God is not with me. Uh, may, maybe somehow I miss God, or, or, or maybe somehow, even though there was a prophecy over my life, maybe, maybe it's just not time for God to, to use me right now. But I want to encourage you this morning that when you feel that way, all you need to do is go back to church. Now, going back to church may not mean coming to the four walls. It may mean having church at the kitchen table. Because you realize you don't have to have a praise team and a band and, and people meeting for you to have church in your house. I have had church, not church, but church in my car. I have, I have experienced the Holy Spirit in my car to where I didn't even care about the traffic anymore because the Holy Spirit was speaking to me. I'm weeping. I'm crying. Matter of fact, I didn't even want to move anymore. I just wanted to stay right there in that place because I had an experience with God, an encounter knowing that I know this has to be God because I'll never be the same man again. You don't have to be in a church for that. So when you feel this way, saints of God, the Bible is pretty clear that you got to go back to the place where you can be encouraged. The church is supposed to be a place where you can come and people encourage you and people just believe in you. I believe in you. I do. I, I'm just not up here to preach. I, I believe that God is going to do great things in you. I, I believe it because you're my brothers and my sisters in the Lord. I believe it because if, if he's done great things for me, He's going to do it for you. I believe it because the Bible is clear that God does not lie. 
No, I'm sorry. Let me take that back. The Bible says he cannot lie. <laughs> not that it does not. I, uh, that, that would be me. So, so, but God cannot, yeah, because we can lie. So, but where God cannot lie, I can lie to you. I can lie. I can lie. I can lie. I can lie. I'm a human. I can lie. But, but God cannot lie. If God says that this carpet is, is purple, it'll become what he says. Because he's the one that can speak those things that be not as though they were. And when he speaks it, it becomes. Glory to God. And only if we are in him, we can speak those things that be not. If you're not in him, you can speak all you want. That don't apply to you. Glory to God. So, so let's get back to this Bible study. So David now is in the house of God. He's hungry. And there's only one thing in the house of God to eat, and that's the showbread. Now, if you remember something about the showbread in the Old Testament, I did a teaching on the Ohel Moed, which is the tent of meeting. The showbread, it was 12 loaves of bread representing what, guys? The 12 tribes of Israel, right? But, but it was consecrated bread. It was not supposed to just to be eaten. But David was hungry. See, 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 I don't know, I don't know, I don't know about y'all, but, but when I'm hungry, I'm hungry. I mean, it's not like I'm hungry, I'm hungry, right? And so when you're hungry, you, you, everything's beginning to look good to you. Stuff that you don't even eat, you go, man, boy, that sure do smell good. Right? When you're really hungry. This brother was really hungry. So he went into the house of God, and he wanted to eat something that was unlawful for him to eat. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, so I want to say this. Sometimes uh, you got such a hunger for God that you might have to go against the traditions of men. See, David, David was like, I know this is the showbread, but I'm hungry, bruh. So David was willing to go against the traditions of men, even in the Old Testament. That's why Jesus referred to it when, when he began to talk up to the disciples. He said, don't you remember, David, when he went into the house of the Lord and he did that which was unlawful by eating the bread? But what was Jesus saying? Sometimes in the church, you got to go against the traditions of men. You got to get hungry for the word of God. And so traditions can't help you. You got to go beyond those traditions if you, you got to get good and hungry. See, when you get good and hungry, see, that's how they say in Alabama. When you get, <laughs> there's no D. It's good and hungry, you know. You just, <laughs> I told you, I'm going to teach y'all some stuff. So when you go visit Alabama, you'll be able to talk the language. Praise God. I'll be your Rosetta Stone for going to Alabama. Amen. Okay, so, so now, so, so David ate the consecrated bread. We know that part. Now, now, he leaves the church, and now David goes to a place called the Cave of Adullam. And this is where I want to pick up the story, okay? Are you with me? So let's go there together. Let's go to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, let's read it. I had to bring us up to speed, and uh, thank you for your patience on trying to set the stage here, if you will, so we can learn how to connect the dots and being a, those covenant-connected people of God. Amen? Amen? 1 Samuel chapter 22, 1 Samuel chapter 22, 1 Samuel chapter 22, I'm sorry. 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1 says, David, I'm going to go ahead and read. I know you're turning there, but I'm going to go ahead and read for the sake of time. 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1 says, David therefore departed from there, talking about the church, talking about Abimelech. He departed from there, and he escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brother and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him, and everyone who was distressed, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them. 
and there were about 400 men with him. Now, check this out. I, I need you to see this for a moment. Just uh, listen to me very carefully. David is at the lowest, one of the lowest points in his life. He has no money. You know, he just ate a little bread, but it, was, it wasn't a whole lot. Uh, he has no title. He has no position. It, let me just take you back through history a little bit. David has already been anointed king, but he's not a king yet. You seeing this with me? So David can see the position God gave him, but he can't take it yet. Amen. See, see, you may see a person in a position that you know you heard God and he's going to put you there. But maybe the time is not right. So this is where David is. It's one of those strange places when you are in the church, when you know you heard the voice of God, but you don't quite see yourself in what you heard. See, maybe some of how many of you guys know what I'm talking about here? You, you, you know it was solid, too. It was strong. And you know, you said, man, I know that was God that said that. And, and, but, but, but you might see somebody else operating in what God told you. And, and if you don't watch it, saints of God, I'm telling you, I'm just being honest because I'm talking about myself now. If you don't watch it, you will find yourself get one or two things. You would get cynical. And you would try to talk bad about that person. Or... You don't believe God did really call you. Now, both will hurt you. Amen? So this, this is the place David was in. So I just wanted to bring this back down to North Carolina English so that you can understand. Jonathan is not around anymore. And now, and David is married to Michael. I don't know if you understand who Michael is. As a matter of fact, the Bible describes Michael as being Saul's daughter rather than David's wife. <laughs> and so she acted more like her daddy than, than, than a wife. So, so I don't know. I don't know if you got a wife that act like her daddy. But anyway, so that 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 ain't always good. But anyway, so so that was Michael. So David is dealing with some some pretty critical things. So so God sees David in his depressed state, and he comes down to intervene to get David back on track. So I got a couple of questions. I got I got a couple of questions. Would God send David men to speak into his life? Would God send David men to give him a title and a position to get him back on track? Would God send David uh, uh, people to finance his vision to get him back on track? Would God send David a trained army of men to get him back on track so that he can go back and attack Saul? So you got to ask yourself, what kind of men would God send David? They had to be some pretty awesome men, right? Oh, let's read verse 2. And everyone who was distressed, in debt, and discontented. <laughs> now, 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 sometimes you, the ways of the Lord can be strange. <laughs> now, now, reading this story, you would think that God would have sent him 400 men to say, David, you can make it. Man, I saw you when you threw that rock and you killed Goliath. I saw you when you went over there and killed the Philistines. I heard those stories about you killing a lion and a bear that came to attack your sheep. I'm with you, David. Get up, boy. Let's go. That is not what God sent David. David had men who were broke, busted, and disgusted. That seems to be a strange dichotomy there that God would send David men worse than David. 
Why would God send people worse than you in your life when you all jacked up? I'm sorry, that was ghetto. When you all messed up. So, so maybe there's a lesson to be learned here, and I believe it is because this is the next characteristic that I wanted to share with you. I said all that to get to this is that covenant-connected people will always invest in the outcast. You see, saints of God, there is something about going through your stuff. That if you are going through something, and that something is, I'm not talking about your eggs were too cold or the restaurant didn't get your, get your grits right. I'm not talking about that little bit of stuff. I'm talking about you going through a serious trial. Uh, you are facing something that you've never faced before. How many of you might be even going through that right now? Amen. Because you're, you're in one of three areas. You're going in a problem. You're in a problem or you're coming out of one. You're in one, and men are laying a lot of times. we in three or four problems at one time. We come out of one, and then there's another one. So, so, so it's never ending, praise God. So it's probably never ending for you either. But, but, but when, you, when you are going through those things, um, um, you know, you, you don't really at first say, I know I'm going through this because there's somebody I need to help. <laughs> at least let me, let me just make this thing honest here. I don't, John Lofton. When I'm going through my stuff, because I'm just being honest, when, when I was going through cancer, I, 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 the first thing that came to my mind was like, oh, I'm going to help somebody with cancer. That was not, I'm telling you, I'm just being honest with you, that's not the first thing that came through my mind. But, but, but the first thing that did come to my mind was, how many other people that I felt like God wanted me to help before I died? That, that, was, that was what came to my mind. Because I, I, I felt that I had not touched enough people. That, that, that was the first thing that came to my mind. That God, I feel like you wanted me to touch more people. And if that's true, then I don't have to worry about this. And today I don't have to worry about it. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. And guess what? I'm touching more people. Glory to God. But listen, when you're going through it, you don't have that kind of faith yet. Hello? Hello? But now, now, but as you are coming out of it, God will do some of the strangest things. He will send you people that are going through some of the same thing. Isn't that the strangest thing? That God will send you people, and they come to tell you their story, and you go, mm, mm, yeah. Pray, hallelujah. Oh, yeah. I mean, mm. Right? Why? Because now you can relate to the story. Listen, write this down. You can't take people where you've never been. See, see Moses, right? Moses couldn't take them to the promised land. He had never been there. But God used the man that had, Joshua. Joshua spied out the land. Joshua, he had been there, right? Joshua and Caleb came back with a good report. But the other ten said, we be as grasshoppers. And guess what? They became what they said. That's why faith comes by. Are you hearing with me? Okay, so I'm hearing, this is what I'm hearing. I'm hearing. That sometimes, saints of God, as you are going through, your mind don't automatically click to who I'm going to help. But as you get through, there are going to be people that God will send you to want to come and talk. And you will have a heart for them because you know what it feels like. See, David knew how to invest in the outcast because David knew how to keep helpless sheep. And if David knew how to keep helpless sheep, then he knew how to keep helpless men. 
See, see, there are some things that you're going through in your life right now that you're going through that you are getting prepared to take care of somebody else later. You will be able to encourage them in the Lord. You will be able to invest in them like David invested into these men. And if you keep on reading about these 400 men, they became known as David's mighty men. Why? Because David, in his distressful time, in his time of debt, in his time of being discontented, he was willing to invest everything he had in somebody else. Now, I don't know about you, but riddle me this, because I have found sometimes as I have been able to help other people, it got my mind off of my own stuff. And see, and that's all we need anyway sometimes is to get our minds off our own stuff. Because we can get consumed by what we're going through. We don't have enough money for this, and I feel this pain in my body, and I wish I had done that. I didn't do it, and I made that choice, and that was a wrong choice. And There's always something that can inundate our minds to where we get away from having the mind of Christ, and we got to get back to the Word of God because that's the only thing that can transform our minds so that we can think the thoughts of Christ again. Amen? Is this making sense? So uh, being a covenant-connected person means that you will invest in the outcast. There is somebody that God might be sending to you that everybody else threw away. There might be somebody that the church threw away. There might be somebody that a family member threw away, a brother or a sister, somebody that you can gird up their loins and say, you can make it. You can get through this. Find somebody that you can invest in. There are a lot of people out there in this world hurting. A lot of them are on your jobs right now. Now, now, they act like everything is okay, but if you come in there full of the Holy Ghost and they come in there with their little old fake smile, and you can do like I do and say, yeah, what's behind that? What's going on in your house? Well, John, I was in it last night. I was in it last night. <laughs> see, that's what, I, that's what I saw. See, you ain't going to see that in the natural. You have to be in the spirit because the natural man can't discern the things of the spirit of God, nor can he know them because what? must be spiritually discerned, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, right, verse 14. So, so they must be spiritually discerned. So if you are armed and dangerous and you go to work, God will show you stuff that you wouldn't have seen in the natural, especially if you've gone through something. Is this making sense at all? So covenant-connected people will do what? Invest in others. Invest in the lost. Invest in the outcast. Just because somebody's sleeping on a bridge don't make them bad people. As a matter of fact, you better, those folks will quote the Bible on you better than you. I guarantee you mess around and start quoting scriptures and no, that's not the right scripture. That's not where that is. <laughs> you, you mess around and play with them. They'll let you know that's not, that's not where that is in the Bible. <laughs> Why? All they got is a word. They don't have all the bills and the mortgage and the car notes and the shopping and the kids and the computer games and the school. They have nothing. They just hit rock. Guess what? But they got the word. And they're standing on it. Don't make them bad people. They just got hit with some bad times. Amen. And they might just need somebody to go up to them and invest in them. Amen. Don't, don't just give them food. Take them to get some food. Talk to them. Find out their story. Spend some time with them, please. Don't be all Christian. I was going to say something, but I ain't going to leave that alone. <laughs> we, got, we got visitors in the house. So, <laughs> so listen, just be nice. Amen. And don't, don't be all bougie so you hear me here so I want to read something to you because when you get into a distressed state the Bible is really clear on how to get out can I show you can I show you what God told David 
All right, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 22. Let's start reading at verse 4. Are you getting anything out of this so far? Okay, thank you. Thank you for your patience. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 22. I love teaching. I, I've never been a preacher, but I love teaching the word of God. And I feel like as Christians, we've got to get back to teaching the word, and we've got to look at the Bible in its totality. I cannot get up here and give you one scripture and then preach for 30 minutes. Then you're going to get nothing but emotionalism. That's all you're going to get. You won't have enough in you for the next week. And you got to know what the scriptures are. You got to understand how to tie scriptures together and how the Bible is holistically tied together from the book of Genesis all the way to Revelation chapter 22. And that it's all about you. This is your inheritance. And if you don't know what's yours, then you will not get everything that, that's supposed to be appropriated by you. That is not up to your pastor. That is not up to the church members. That is up to you to go in your inheritance to get your stuff. But you got to get it within the parameters of a scripture. You can't just send $100 to somebody on TV and expect you to be blessed. And you still live like a mess. That don't work, saints of God. You keep sending that money. They'll keep getting rich. First Samuel chapter 22, verse 4 says, So he brought them, the 400 and David, he brought them before the king of Moab. They dwelt with him all that time that David was in the stronghold. So you see what David was? He was in a stronghold. Have you ever had a stronghold? Glory to God. So this, this lets you know this was not an easy place. This was a stronghold. And I'm going to let you know what a stronghold is because some people think strongholds is with demons and principalities and powers. That is not a stronghold. I'm going to show you what a stronghold really is. Verse 5 says, now the prophet Gad said to David, do not stay in the stronghold. Depart and go to the land of Judah. Did you see what a man of God told him where to go? He told him to go to the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Harith. Uh, and then um, um, in the Hebrew it says Harar. Uh, that's how you pronounce that in Hebrew. So, so in other words, when, when, when in times of greatest distress and debt and discontentment, God sent a prophetic word to tell the men, get out of the stronghold. But then he told him how. He said, go to Judah. <laughs> Judah means praise. Uh-huh. He said, the way you get out of a stronghold is you got to go to praise. And the way you get to Judah, you had to go through the forest of Harith. That means wood. So in order to praise, you got to go through the wood. Glory to God. So you got to go through the cross <laughs> before you can get to Judah. Before you can get rid of that stronghold. So now you want to know what a stronghold is, right? So, all right, all right, go there. Go to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Go ahead and turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. So we're teaching, right? Don't you want to learn something? All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Somebody read verse 4 and 5. We're going to have congregational reading this morning. I was just playing. We're not going to do that. So I'm going to go ahead and read while you turn there. Y'all say, what? We're going to go back to congregational reading. Make sure somebody reading and know how to read. <laughs> Praise God. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Then what are strongholds? Casting down imaginations. So strongholds and imaginations are the same thing. A stronghold is not a principality or a power. A stronghold is your mind. 
casting down imaginations or things that is on your mind or every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought, every thought, not every demon, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So in other words, you're bringing your own thoughts to obey God, the strongholds of your own mind. So if you are distressed and when you are in debt and when you feel discontented, you can have the propensity to build up a stronghold on your own mind. And you need a prophetic word to come to tell you, get out of the stronghold. And the way you do it, you got to go back to the cross and get to your praise. And you can praise your way out. You can worship your way out. Amen. I don't know about you, but there have been times when I have felt so bad, but the moment I lifted up my hands, whew, glory to God, there, there were times when I was driving back from Atlanta, I just finished my treatments, trying to get back to you, and I would start off driving, crying, but by the time I reached Charlotte, that car was so full of praise, I couldn't hardly stand it, I almost had to pull over and just run around my car, amen, why? Because when I went back to praise, God began to build up my system, man. He began to build up my faith and say, John, you're going to make it. I can, you, I'm encouraging you in the Lord right now. I'm encouraging you in myself right now. Come on, saints of God, you ever been there before? Couldn't even roll out of the bed. You just sat there and said, God, I love you. Praise God. I can't get out of the bed right now. But God, I just want you to know how much I love you, how much I need you. I'm nothing without you, God. Invest in somebody, saints. The test to me of a true Christian is how much of yourself you leave behind in somebody else the conviction to carry on. That was the next characteristic is invest in somebody. Find somebody you can lose yourself in. Find some young man that maybe you can take away from his mother. Take him out to eat a hamburger. Talk to him. Ask him about his life. Ask him about what he's going through at school. Kids today are going through stuff that we've never had to go through. They might just need a man of God to take some time to pull up with him. You just never know how it can change your life. It changed mine. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number 3.org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.